last weekend, but I heard it was awesome. Um, my family was a little bit ill. Thank you, Jesus, that we're recovered now. But just want to give uh, some recognition real quick. I mean, I, I helped a little bit with this, and anytime you help with something and actually like have some involvement, you, you develop an appreciation for how, how hard it was. So I helped with these lights, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate our uh, crew that does the lighting and sound and just all the tech team. So thank you, guys. This is awesome. Oh, let's open in prayer. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus, just for bringing us all here today. Thank you for fellowship. You're just so thankful just for the freedoms that we have in this life. That we have fresh grace and mercy every day because of your sacrifice for us, Jesus. I love the perspective, Lord, that you were literally born to die. <clears throat> you were born to live a life that we could not just to be sacrificed. This is the season that we celebrate your birth. Sometimes I think that as a society, we forget the magnitude of that. We're just so thankful for you, Jesus. We don't take any credit for any of the blessings or any of the, of the successes or the impacts that we have on this world. It's because of you, Lord. Thank you for having ears to hear in this body and for spirits that receive. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. All right. <clears throat> I'm excited about today. I had, a whole pre I had a whole PowerPoint presentation put together. It was really neat. Had an awesome background and stuff. And uh, I kind of, I like to, I wouldn't say I like to do things last minute, but I like to leave like the door open. I don't, I don't like to get anything done and say like, okay, you know, I've, I've known I was preaching for several weeks. And, you know, like most people would plan ahead, get everything done, submit it, and then they would just like forget about it. My, my sermon's done. You know, I can access that Sunday morning or Saturday night. It's done, good to go. I like to live a little bit on the wild side. <laughs> so, um, I think it's important to like, let God have access to what we think is, is finished. A lot of times we think that our own doing or the measure that we took of self-effort or, you know, the experience that I have using Microsoft Word and PowerPoint, you know, I'm, I'm going to do a good job for the body. And not, sometimes I don't leave enough room for God, and I think that's the way we live a lot of our lives. But I, I ended up scrapping my entire PowerPoint. <clears throat> and I just woke up, and I'm like, man, today it's so easy for people to say, like in many cases, they could, they could make a hard stance for, let's just say, politics or a policy. They could say, you know, this is, this is what I believe. I'm a firm believer in this. And then, short time later, you could, you could see that person operating in the exact 180 degree different behavior. What, what, we mo what we most times are looking for is a justification, like, why are you able to act like that? You just said that you act, that you completely disagree with this. And the only thing that people can say now is, I changed my mind. And that's the coverall, right? You dig deeper, and now you're going to offend somebody. Well, why? They can just say they changed their mind. So today, we're going to talk about changing our mind in the perspective of Jesus and how it is to be encouraged. So the title of this teaching is called Change Your Mind, Be Encouraged. Isaac and I were talking before church here, and he said, he reminded me of the word metanoia, 
And what that means in the Bible is a change of mind and of heart brought on by a spirit of repentance. So when you're having like a transformation of mind or heart, it's called metanoia. So we're going to look in 2 Timothy here. So let me set the scene for us real quick here. Paul is in prison, and this is one of the many times that he was imprisoned, and he's writing to Timothy, who it says, some of, in some uh, scriptures it says his son, but that's just in the spirit. Timothy was just uh, an apostle of Paul. He was spreading the gospel. He was taught by Paul. He was one of the followers of Paul. And Paul is writing to him from prison. So we're going to read through this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I can constantly remember you in my prayers. Pause right there. See, Paul is writing to a close friend, and yet he's compelled to use like a rather formal introduction there. He's claiming his apostolic authority, and by clarifying that, he means what apostleship really meant in the New Testament. What we think of an apostle is sometimes we think of like, if you're an apostle, you were a big shot. You had a big name, you know, an apostle or a disciple. But really, his, his apostolic authority was best defined as persecution, long walks, servanthood to the church, and ultimately a martyr's death. So remember that while we're reading this. He said, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Luis, and your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into, the, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. <clears throat> so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me and his prisoner. Rather, join, me, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Go back to that real quick. So it's important to read this with the right pauses. I've been teaching my daughters about reading, not rushing through things, and I think even as adults, we need a, we need a constant reminder. So that, as you can tell, this says, rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So you could read that as saying that like, if you are someone who represents the gospel, then you better expect to suffer, or God's going to put you through suffering for the gospel. That's not, that's not how it should be interpreted. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. That's what they're saying is they're going to carry out the gospel regardless of the suffering that's going to happen because they have the power of God. Go on. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in 
Christ Jesus, before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am, yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. You can stop. So, in looking at this, Paul is sitting in a, in a, in a prison cell. He's sitting in a jail. And the reason that he is writing this to Timothy is because all, everything that's around him in the physical realm would seem like a failure, would seem like he really doesn't have any claim to stand on. The guy's been in prison multiple times, and yet he's writing Timothy, writing to Timothy. And according to his apostleship, he is saying that the promise of life that is in Jesus, in other words, the life that Jesus demonstrated, a life of complete servanthood to God, is the same life that is now given to every person who believes in him. Our problem now is that we equate eternal life with a better physical health or a better physical life. That's not always the case, as Satan is the prince of the world, and there are things that we're going to have to go through. God, Jesus even said that, that we are going to be discouraged time from time because we are carrying out the same gospel that the disciples were. Paul's desire for certain things was for Timothy to know that the eternal and spiritual gifts are the ones that he should focus on. He wants for Timothy the grace of God and the mercy of God that will produce the peace of God. He wants Timothy to understand what he has through faith in Christ. And it is very easy to live in a physical world to focus on physical things and find comfort in them. Paul here is seeking to turn Timothy's mind and heart to eternal things, a change of mind. says in verse 3, he says, I'm convinced that you have the faith that brings these eternal values into your life. And that's the basis for Timothy to be encouraged, remembering that this guy is sitting in a jail cell during one of of his many imprisonments, not a rented house, but a dank prison, where he would soon be dragged to be killed, and he's writing out letters telling other people to be encouraged. In the most discouraging moment of his life, he is being a light for heaven. He's telling Timothy, hey, no matter what you're going through out there, and he didn't even know. He just said that I know where I'm at, and I know that I found the gift. I found the thing that we need to focus on. I think a lot of times in in life right now, it's a challenge for us to not focus on being discouraged. Everyone knows the statement, misery loves company. Well, the reason why that is is because I found this, like, not really the hard way, but I I get to meet a lot of awesome people. But a lot of people, like in my, in my sales job, I get to meet tons of people that are you know, twice my age and three times my age and people that have been through all sorts of different upbringings and walks of life. And one thing that I've picked up on in the last 12 years is like when you talk to someone, even on a surface level, how often is that conversation encouraging? I know sometimes we don't think about it because it's like white noise. Like, I've asked several people, like even the people I work with, some of the guys that I know, like just by their body language, they don't enjoy their life or they don't enjoy their job at that moment. Say something like, hey, how you doing, man? 
Well, another day. I'd probably label that as discouraging. Hey, how are you? Good to see you this morning. Well, I'm here. Anybody heard that before? That's not very encouraging. Existing. And then I've also had customers and people that I've run into along the way say things that have made me think twice about, like, man, that's really cool. I, I, I don't often hear people say, like, hey, how are you? Blessed, thankful. That'd be really cool, because then I would be like, wow, like, that makes me feel good. But I have heard people say, you know, I've said, hey, how you doing? Better than I deserve. Okay. I think that we can all relate to that. Because obviously we do have blessings and we do have a life that we don't necessarily deserve. So I think that it's very important for us to understand that talking about being discouraged is easy because everyone can do it. We need to be encouraged to overcome the challenge. The challenge will never go away. For the, believe, for the believer, there will always be things that can dishearten us. We have to count on that. Count on, count on having hard conversations. Count on Satan trying to make attacks towards you. I know it's hard to like really rally behind what I'm about to say, and you have to spin it your own way to, to let yourself know that like it is an honor, but there are times when like challenges come my way and I don't thank God for them by any means because Jesus does not challenge us. Nor does he spite us at all. But when things come our way, because Satan roams around the world, comes to steal, kill, and destroy, I look at that as somewhat of an honor. If he's taking shots at me and I'm having some difficulty in life and there's just you know, some wrinkles that need ironed out, I see that as an honor. I see that as an opportunity an opportunity to overcome and encourage others through that. Not to say, God gave me this, look at this. God will take you through hell to get you to heaven. You hear something like that? That's not exactly, that's not what I'm saying by any means. I'm saying there are things that we're going to encounter. And what we tap into to get get ourselves through that should be an an encouraging light to others. Paul Paul reminds Timothy that he possesses a real faith. And because, because Timothy is a child of God and we have the same access, because we are children of God, he needed to redefine the physical challenges in light of spiritual realities. Let me say that again. We need to redefine physical challenges in light of spiritual realities. If you flip that around, We need to basically put on spiritual reality glasses and look at physical things. Knowing that we already have victory, the promise does not come back void. So when we look at physical challenges through the lens of spiritual realities, we know what's real in the spirit. We know that we have victory. We know the battle has been won. So based on our faith, I remind you, we have a gift that we need to grow through use. The gifts of God are evidence of Holy Spirit's powerful presence. When we look at the Holy Spirit's powerful presence and we're using the gifts of God, one of the most powerful ways that I have 
been able to speak into people's life is when you bring up your belief and when you bring up your heart condition. And in this world, the, the best way that we learn is by seeing and by studying and by telling stories. And I think the reason that I had this whole thing drawn up this morning, <clears throat> I'm like, I'm just supposed to just scrap it, was because any time that I've been, that I've had like a welling up on the inside of me to trust God, I don't know why I resist it. And I don't know why we resist it as a body because we feel this feeling of like, maybe I should talk to that person or like, maybe I should go here. Maybe I should bring this up or maybe I should just ask this person about that. That welling up, that's things that we pray for. Like I've, I just discussed with my wife, it's so weird to me that any time that I'm about to be in a dicey situation and I have this little check valve on the inside of me that says like, don't do that. And I want to ignore it sometimes because I'm a human being, like no, it'll be fine, whatever. Like, I pray for wisdom every day. And then the, the minute I feel wisdom, I'm like, nah, like, I want to shut it off, right? But we have the exact same spirit speaking to us on when we ask God to use us. Lord, how can you use me? Give me a sign. Um, Jesus, during this holiday season, lead me to somebody that I can bless. Is there something I should tell somebody today? Is there a word I should speak today? Um, going into my office job, don't really want to be here. Maybe there's somebody in there that needs me. Let them see you through me, Lord. So in doing this, <clears throat> sometimes I got to put my money where my mouth is, and it's easy for me to come here and tell you a story about a time that I trusted God and it worked out. That's an awesome testimony. But today I'm going to use this opportunity for us to share because we call ourselves a family, right? And we call this the family room. And we're under the impression that like, this is actually how church is supposed to go. We're supposed to be, uh, there's supposed to be chairs in a row, a couple different sections of them, a couple different aisles, a stage, music. I should probably be in the center to be like a focal point. But like, there's nowhere in the Bible is there, like, is there a stage or is there like a... Uh, a model or a stencil for how church should have gone. This is, in my, in my mind, this is like a North American way. This is how we do church. And this is awesome. I think the content, the substance about what we're talking about, that's what matters. But I'll never forget when we first came back here after COVID, <clears throat> it was easy for the meeting up of people after that talk about all the things that had gone wrong in your life. How, how, bad, how many people do you guys know were sick? Oh, it's, I know all sorts of people were sick. I know a couple people on ventilators. And there was all this sharing of discouragement. I just remember like everybody was in like a really weird funk and people just forgot how to be human. People forgot how to be encouraging. Paul's literally sitting in a jail cell and being encouraging to someone who's outside of jail. Like, think, it, that, that's mind-blowing to me. He had no freedoms. He was about to be killed. He was later dragged away and killed. And he thought of it as an honor because Jesus promised never return void. He did go to heaven. He did get to be with his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the entire time in his last breaths on earth, he was being encouraging, sharing the gospel, reaching out to others, telling them it's going to be okay. Keep fighting the good fight. So, I think it's important for us to share our testimonies. 
I'm going to get a mic and we're going to go around and we're going to share testimonies. We're going to share praise reports right now. And there's nothing you can share <clears throat> that won't be received. Because the smallest thing to the biggest thing, sharing a praise report is giving light to Jesus working through us as a body. I can share a million things, but I think a more encouraging path and a more encouraging thing would to be people in the body sharing times in, throughout 2022 when they were blessed, or a, a praise report. And this should snowball. Because if I went around and I asked everybody, give me one thing you're pissed off about. How many hands would go up? Like, like I wouldn't even, even if you didn't have anything, and I just said, go ahead. Like taxes. All right, what do you got? Fuel pricing. There's, th this should be the exact same way in the name of Jesus Christ. We should have a compound, a compound activity right here, just like a snowball. Starts like this, you roll in the right direction, can be this. So we're going to go around and we're going to share praise reports. And this is all I have for you, because we're going to take up the next 20 minutes of sharing praise reports, because there's plenty in here, because this body's blessed. We are a body of blessed believers and the church is going to grow organically in Christ because of the fact that we are going to share and people are going to see what we believe by our testimony. 